everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We want to invite you to learn more about the heart and vision of City of Lights. So check out our website at cityoflights.church and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at City Lights Indie. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message. Um, welcome. Uh, you will notice uh, this morning I'm a bit hoarse. Uh, last week I started losing my voice last Sunday. Uh, some of you might have noticed the raspiness. Kelly thought it was something to do with the sound system. And uh, I assured her that Brian had nothing to do with it. Um, but this week on Monday, I just got smacked uh, with, with a cold and have been kind of fighting that, had been fighting that over the course of the week. Now I feel a lot better physically, uh, but my voice is still pretty shredded from hacking. So bear with me this morning. Um, I'm really excited about... Um, where we're going. Um, I'm excited about this next um, phase of City of Lights. Um, But in that, uh, I'm also excited about what God has been doing. And I want us today, as, as I share this word, to both recognize the seasons that we are in the foundational seasons, the seasons of laying good, firm foundations, but then also, why are we doing it? What is it that we're building towards? What is our unshakable destiny? That's what we're going to talk about today. Um, Today, for the sake of, I'm kind of putting myself on a pitch count vocally, So I've written out a lot of these pretty detailed of what I wanted to communicate. Uh, So you'll just track with me. I might go a little bit, not super fast, but I have a place that I want to go before my voice goes. Y'all with me? Thank you so much. I want to read a passage in 1 Thessalonians and just to give you some backstory about this book, Paul is writing the Thessalonians from his second mission to Corinth. Paul loved the Thessalonians, and this was a crew that God had given him an opportunity to minister to, but because of a lot of the oppressive, persecuting forces in the city, they basically pushed and forced Paul out, and so he would later send um, Timothy and Silas to minister and send word to this crew. And one of the challenges um, that they were facing, some of the church in Thessalonica were previously pagan Gentiles who did not know uh, really anything about uh, the law or how to live a certain way. And so they're trying to figure out how do we, how do we live according to this, the way. What is the way? Um, As well as I think a lot of them, they got really excited when they came into the faith and to Jesus, but didn't realize that persecution would come as as quick or as swift and as hard as it was. Some of them 
had died and passed away. And so a lot of the questions that they had were were regards to the second coming of Jesus. What would that look like? And if for our friends who had passed away before Jesus returned, would they be okay? And so Paul, in, in I think a very, not a condescending way, but a loving way, is encouraging them not to be afraid. Encouraging them that for those of us whose foundation is Jesus, we don't need to be freaked out about the end times. A lot of times the left behind books, and even maybe you've never thought about this, maybe you've read all of the left behind books and even watched the horrible movies. If you had played any part in those movies, God bless you and your family. And God bless Kirk Cameron and Nick Cage. I think he ended up in one of those. How did, he, how did that happen? Ghost Rider and then left behind. But we can spend so much money and effort and time trying to guess and calculate when Jesus is going to come. And that's not even the point. The point is, he is going to return. He is going to return. How is, he, how is it going to happen? He's going to come swiftly. But for those of us who are in him, we don't need to fear. And that's the assurance that Paul gives them. I'm going to begin in verse 1 of chapter 5. I know I said that in reverse. Chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. He says, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them, as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness. Brothers, for the day, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do. But let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep at night and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. Having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live in him. Therefore, encourage one another, And build one another up, just as you are doing. We may find ourselves in very turbulent times and seasons. We may find, and we will find, more disturbing news and catastrophes that happen. But in the midst of that, there is something that God is in the midst of building. That if we cannot be shaken we too can be a part of building. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning that your plans for us are for blessing, not destruction. 
that from the very beginning, you did not look at us in some maniacal way as a ant collection that you could just burn and torture. But you created us for eternal fellowship. Lord, because of our own selfishness, because of our own brokenness, Lord, we rejected it. And we've been grasping in many ways ever since for a return to what we once had. Lord, I help, I ask you this morning that you would help us, God. That you would help us whether we have surrendered to you or whether we are in the balance this morning to see that you are the great one through whom all greatness, past, present, and future flows. Lord, let us come under you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Richie. Oh, to be great again. Again, by definition, presumes a place or destination of desired return, right? The problem with this return flight is that the coordinates are greatly, of greatness rather, the coordinates of greatness are all over the map. Would you agree? Is the return to greatness found in fat wallets, in fat bellies, in fat houses? Is the return to our greatness found in times of strong national or ethnocentric power and dominance? Is the return to greatness found in a place where said greatness can only be experienced by a few seasoned privileged or for all? Was it when we still had prayer in schools as well as segregation? Was it when we had free love but yet lived completely oblivious to the cost that would accrue from habitually depreciating love's intrinsic value? Was it when some left an old nation to blaze a trail of freedom while others thought the best way to make a new nation was to send a first nation on a trail of tears? Was it when we were primarily only with our people? Because, of course, Europeans never fight against Europeans. And Asians never go to battle against other Asians. And Africans never go to war with other Africans. And, of course, Americans never attack whatever we are. No, no, no. The return to greatness can never be ID'd by some man-made temporal identifier. In fact, it was man's presumption of greatness that gave sin a vehicle to plow through the earth and take out a crowd of humanity with it. You see, a return voyage to greatness, true, objective, undeniable, 
universal greatness will not be found in modern history. It won't be found in ancient history because greatness began and ended in the garden. Now, what garden, you may ask? Uh, The very first garden, as a matter of fact, the Garden of Eden, the beginning of all civilization, the place where humanity was formed, filled, and made fully alive, the place where greatness didn't hinge upon us or our dominance over another race, but rather rested solely upon the one who made us, us, and gave us dominion over the earth in the first place. It wasn't great because we were there. It was great because he the great one, the great three in one, Elohim, Adonai, Yahweh made everything good and made us to be with him in a place called good. It was great because he placed us in a home that was pre-racism, pre-sexism, pre-classism, and prepared a habitation for us to experience the greatest nonstop flow of love and unity and peace and security and purpose we could ever imagine. As beautiful and majestic and mind-blowing as I'm sure the garden was in all of its majesty, I mean, Just think of some of the most beautiful natural sights that you've ever seen in your life. And then think of what it might have looked like prior to all the years of pollution. All the years of decay. Imagine that. And yet, even so, the true greatness It wasn't just about our placement, but our relational proximity to the great person that was God. The garden was great, but God is great, and we, humanity, man and woman, were with God in the garden. And with greatness, our great God for the first time. However, it was in that garden that our enemy, the adversary, the accuser, slithered into our path and began placing the first fruits of deception and misdirection in our mouths and minds. It was there that the serpent enticed man and woman with a whopper of a worm. The illusion of greatness, not defined by proximity to a great God, but attained through supremacy over others. Why should you be content with being under God. You are a God, or at least you could be. Why should you be content with just being loved when you could be worshiped? We took the bait and choked on the hook. How great and far we have fallen. The bad news is that we, humanity, You and I, apart from God, have no chance of returning anything to greatness. Every human-centric attempt to recreate facsimiles of unity, hope, peace, joy, and love produce nothing but grotesque, misshapen, lifeless clones. I want you to hear me this morning. There are a lot of people 
on every side, every which aisle you could think of that will promise unity, an imitation of love under a banner of nationalism, humanism, or whatever ism you can think of, and it will always end up empty. The, the illusion that we often hear of this concept of tolerance is a myth. A tolerance that is only tolerant to Christians who are intolerant to the word of God isn't tolerance. It's insanity. You hear me this morning? A tolerance that's only tolerant of Christians who have an intolerance to the word of God is not tolerant. It's a joke. But the good news, the great news, is that it's not up to us. He, God himself, at the moment of our departure, activated the plan for our return. And that is what we call the gospel. I want to put this definition of the gospel up. It's very concise. The gospel is the good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life we should have lived and died the death we should have died in our place. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving that he is the son of God, offering salvation and forgiveness of sins for everyone who repents and believes in him. It is through the work of Jesus Christ that we again can be restored to right relationship and proximity with him. It is through the work of Jesus Christ that we again can be restored to right relationship with one another. However, the good news doesn't just stop here. Humanity's complete restoration, Earth's recreation, our return to a place of unfiltered, unfettered, unending fellowship with Jesus is tied not to our return, but his return. Jesus is returning. And when he does, it's not just to make things great again, but to make all things new. He's returning to make a new humanity. People from every tribe. And tongue, generation, will gather under one banner. All nations made one beautiful ethos under the blood of Jesus. He's returning to make a new habitation. 2 Peter 3.13 says, According to his promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Sickness will be no more. Fear will be no more. Hatred will be no more. Lack will be no more. Shame will be no more. Death will be no more. Sin will be no more. And we will be with God in a place called good once again and forevermore. You can get excited about that. Our unshakable destiny is to spend eternity with God in a place called good.
what man couldn't do in a lifetime. Jesus will restore and establish in a moment of greatness. Jesus' return is the central hope of the New Testament, something that all believers should long for. However, while we wait for his return, we don't do so passively. So what do we do now? For the last 12 weeks here at City of Lights, we've been talking about laying unshakable foundations, the unshakable foundations of God, God's word in our lives. We began the summer, week one, by establishing that Jesus is the chief cornerstone upon which everything else is built. We discussed the lordship of Jesus, and we discussed repentance and what it means to live in a new direction. We talked about the person of the Holy Spirit and how are we to be empowered by him to fulfill our purposes on the earth. And we talked about cultivating a hunger for God's word and his presence. We talked about the great blessing that comes with being a part of not an organization, but the family of God that is the church. We talked about laying foundations of daily devotions and faith, generosity, being compelled with compassion. Now, we've not taken these last 12 weeks to discuss unshakable foundations just to pat ourselves on the back and say we did. You hear me this morning. This wasn't just so that we could check it off the box with our national office and say, hey, we did the purple book. No. One lays, no one lays foundations just to point at it and boast about how awesome it is. One lays a foundation with one expectation and one expectation alone to build on it. It's not until we build upon these unshakable foundations that we'll experience the fruit and testimony of an unshakable life. Unshakable doesn't mean painless and easy. We know that the scripture tells us storms will come. It's promised. However, it's the, when the storms come that the quality of the build and the strength and the endurance of this unshakable God is revealed. When we read the scripture about the two homes that were built on differing foundations, the only thing that exposed it was the storm. Again, we don't have to avoid storms if our foundation is strong. It's actually in the storm where the unshakable life gives testament to the glory of God. Yesterday in Charlottesville, Virginia, a storm came along. One person was killed, 19 others injured, after a car plowed through a group of counter-protesters, 
who are demonstrating against a white nationalist rally. Now, as with so many tragic situations, it just that seem to be coming up with greater frequency. The news, the Instagram feeds, the Facebook timelines were flooded with posts of people who have been shaken, to say the least. I don't say this as a political statement, just as a kingdom statement. My heart aches for the families of that young woman. The families that got a report the daughter that they love, the sister that they love, the niece that they love, that her life was snuffed out due to an act of hatred and sin. I'm praying for those who sustained various injuries, and I'm appalled by the brazen, ugly face of racism. But I am not shaken. You see, if anything, I'm more resolved to see the gospel preached. To be a messenger and a minister and a builder of reconciliation. You see, next week, we're moving to 38th Street. We show you nice pictures of the Avondale Meadows, why? But 38th Street is a different place. And you know what we're going to do next week? We're going to keep on building a multi-ethnic church that glorifies Jesus, that shames the devil, and that puts up a standard against the spirit of racism that has cordially been tolerated in our city. We're going to keep on building a multi-generational community that's committed to being a place where as Psalm 145 says, one generation shall commend your works to another, where the old and the young spur one another in faith, not begrudgingly tolerating each other while one hopefully eventually passes away and the other one loses interest. We're going to keep building the kind of community that is not propped up by our self-righteousness and religious piety, but built firmly on walking out by his grace and spirit. I know what we're going to build on is the foundation of Jesus. I know what we're building toward, Jesus' return and restoration of all things. So let's not pine over an echo of greatness gone by, but let us build towards the promised greater work by the greater one in Jesus Christ. I want the worship team to come up, please. We're going to take communion today. And I'm going to read this prayer that Paul prays to the Thessalonians at the end of the first chapter. But we want to take communion as a reminder that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith.
he is not just the foundation that we build upon, but as we heard in Ephesians, Ephesians tells us that we as the church are called to build each other up into the head that is Jesus. So that means I'm built on the foundation of Jesus, and I'm built into the headship of Jesus. Before me, behind me, beside me, above me, beneath me, it's Jesus. He is the finisher. Not one of us can live the perfect life. That's what Jesus came for. He says in the 23rd verse, Paul says, chapter 5, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Our lives are not unshakable because we are unshakable. Our lives are unshakable because he is unshakable. Let's stand together. The ushers are going to pass out the communion elements here in a moment. Once the music starts. If this is a new sacrament for you, I really don't want anyone to take communion out of any sense of obligation or just religious weirdness just feel free to pass it right along you won't offend God you won't offend anybody here and anyone here that is offended God will help them but I do want to invite us those whose foundation and head is Jesus to take communion today as an outward declaration and an inward reminder of who is our foundation and that we get to build something amazing. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your son. I thank you for your plan that is perfect. Even when it seemed like all hope was lost, You knew that hope was on the way. Lord, in the midst of terrorist attacks, shootings, false cries of hope and unity, and even louder cries of hate and discourse, Lord, I thank you that your love rings true. Not just as a faint, temporal, emotional pulse, but Lord, as a power that is sustained, endured, been tested and found true. We worship you, our great Lord. We declare that great are you, Lord. 
Help us to see you for who you are and build accordingly. Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget, you can find us online at cityoflights.church and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.